0: Right, welcome to the Next Steps podcast. Oh my goodness, is it Tuesday already? Is is how I'm feeling today. Um, so we're we're recording this on Monday, so I guess I've got a day before I have to get used to Tuesday. But Next Steps podcast on Tuesdays is where we talk a bit about the sermon. We get to um, let our speaker talk a bit more about what they what they would have included if they could, because of time, but also just to to discuss through where we've got to. So welcome, welcome to today. Um, we would like to first, before we start, is acknowledge our, uh, our country and we acknowledge and pay our respects to, to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. And we also pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and sea over the past thousands of generations. And today we've got four of us. I've just seen a uh, Facebook post from Emily who's making some quints. Something or other, so she's yeah. something. So, so good enough. Um, but but this today we've got. Um, so Matt Garvin's back from a few weeks away. He's been on a Baptist conference for a week and a couple of weeks of. Well, we found out it was three days of a holiday and COVID. Apart from that,
1: yeah, <laughs> not, not quite according to plan, but convenient, I guess, in terms of planning, because I was going to be yeah. away anyway.
0: Uh, and then we've got Anne in the red corner, so so she's um holding up her wounded hands. Yes, sir.
2: <laughs> it's much much better.
0: <laughs> and Renata was the one speaking to us uh, last week. So hi, Renata. Yeah. Is it, Renata, is this your first um, Tuesday podcast? Podcast?
3: Um, not my first one. I have done one quite a while ago when we were still recording them via Zoom um, at some point.
0: And, and Renata, are you recording from a secret location or can you tell us where you are?
3: Um, I'm recording from my office in Glenorchy.
0: Nice. Nice and cool. Which will be secret. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's good. So she's on lunch break, I think, or just just getting through. But Renata, the the main theme this last week, we you were taking us through the parable of the sermon of the mustard seed and the... Per- so the parable of the leaven. Now, the first question I've just got to ask the panel is how do
1: you pronounce leaven? Well, uh, it, it is spelt leaven, as, as Renata said, but I i think the Australian English version is probably leaven. But Renata, come I, back I would, on
3: I would usually pronounce it as leaven, uh, leaven but you use it as a leavening agent. Like it's one mm. of those words. Yeah. Where sometimes how you're pronouncing it depends on how you, what the frame, you know, what the sentence you're using is, like.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Renata. Mm. So it's, it's like planting a plant.
2: Yeah, or castle, mm. castle, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so in the comments, I don't know how you can comment on pronunciation, but you're welcome to say how you would pronounce Levin. You could say well, it would rhyme with like Bevan. <laughs> so good so that's one important question out of the way first
3: one of my usual theories with words is just you know how are you pronouncing them pronounce them you know confidently you know as long as you're confident most people aren't going to question you
1: that's right and,
0: <laughs> exactly. and like, like in jazz hit it twice and then they'll think you meant it <laughs> <laughs> good okay um so yesterday, you took us through the parable, but I, I was really interested in your introduction about Bible translations. I thought that was worth throwing in here a bit more as well. Matt's got a um, graphic that he can show up. But Renata, did you what, what were you trying to tell us about Bible translations yesterday?
3: Uh, well, the main point is that there are many different translations, which are good for different purposes. Um, so, you know, The Bible is obviously, it's a collection of old writings written in multiple languages historically. We have to translate them to get them across to a language that will make sense to us. And as you're translating things, there are complications in translation because different cultures use different words, you know, differently um, and different phrases differently. So there's not usually an easy direct translation, which makes things complicated. So a translator has to choose what they're aiming for. Are they aiming for a literal translation of a word or are they aiming for a translation of, you know, the thought or, you know, the vibe of the thing, the idea behind it? Mm. And our Bible translations, some people do lean very much towards translating word for word. Some go right through to paraphrases, so they'll completely rephrase an idiom into, you know, a modern English or modern American English um, sort of thing, like the message up that paraphrase end. Um And it's just important to be aware that, you know, there are those different things which serve different purposes um, and whichever version you're reading, if something's not making sense to you, it's worth going and checking a different translation to see if that phrases it in a way that makes more sense to you.
1: I've got to say, this is a pretty diagram. uh, For those who are listening, uh, you won't be able to see the diagram, but it, it does come from the God's Word uh, translation website I think you said Renata which would explain yes. why it is the only translation in the meaning for meaning uh th- section they've got there they've... yes <laughs> so, uh,
3: they have a you know if you go back to it um there was the, you know the literal equivalence, the closest natural equivalence, they've said and then functional mm-hmm. equivalents which in a lot of other versions of this would actually be in the same section so usually the NIV is what's sitting dead in the middle there
1: yeah, <laughs> and uh, and anyway, there's a whole there's a whole discussion about that. I actually don't like uh, the word paraphrase because most people often uh, assume that a paraphrase is not a translation, and sometimes that's true. Uh, a, a paraphrase can be where they've taken an English translation and put it into something else, but but it's it, it's more about translation philosophy. So, for instance, the the message is a translation. It's just as this says it's no i don't think it's a retelling it's 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 much more uh uh trying to communicate the meaning uh in uh in whole phrases or thoughts rather than in word for word so it's a much more much down that much further down that end of the spectrum which is right but it is it is still a translation the um eugene peterson was was both a greek and hebrew scholar and was translating the from the Greek and the Hebrew. Mm.
2: Um, yeah, I I find that I agree with um, Renata that for different occasions, a, diff, a the, the range of translations can be really helpful. Mm. Um, so for me, for example, I have a, a Bible that's got the NIV on one side and the message on the other, and I find that really helpful sometimes because then I get that really contemporary kind of, of the you know sort of the concept, but then I have much more of the um, you know the word for word meaning of it yeah. next to it. And mm. then you know sometimes I've gone to other translations as well and I find that each one, yeah, they have their shortcomings but they also have their strengths. And the as you were talking, Renata, I couldn't help but think of um, there's the um, Wickcliffe Bible translators which is a worldwide organization and they go into countries like papua new guinea which is one of our close neighbors obviously and where there is are so many different languages in just that little island and they have translators who go into those different places and translate god's word into um, language that is meaningful for those Mm. people and one of the examples i heard was about um, like the bread of life that Jesus talks about. Now that means nothing to a lot of the tribal people in in the highlands of New Guinea, but because the, they eat yams, that's their staple food. And so give us, and also give us this day our daily bread in the Lord's bread. So it's give us our yams, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. our daily yams, kind of thing, because that's what they connect with. That's that's where the meaning makes sense of them in their culture.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: Now we could go down a massive rabbit hole with, with this oh, stuff. Yes,
1: we could. <laughs> yes. No, be, that, uh, there'll be
0: some listeners who who definitely think that that um there's one true authentic word stuff. Yeah. It's a tricky one. I I know from my experience with leading a youth group um the new new living translation I didn't have to translate from the bible into the youth culture the new living translation we could actually read straight and then get it but uh, gee i love the poetry of the niv in the psalms and uh Mm -hmm. so skip back to that and love the fresh thought from the message um Mm -hmm. i like going back to how was this translated 450 years ago in an you know english language has changed so much since then but how did they do it in 400 years ago i wonder if they've got anything to offer a bit more worried about that one, but yeah, but we'll, we'll move on in a sec.
1: I, I'd love just to at this point do an ad for the Net Bible, not mm-hmm. for the translation of it, um, but uh, because, because it is a tool that translators use it. Uh, it, the it's called the New English Translation, I'll, I'll just pull it up. And the reason they do it is a lot of people disagree with the how they translate it but what they've done the whole bunch of bible scholars have got together and have the the notes here you'll see tn sn and uh there's usually a on different chapters if we get to it a tc uh mm-hmm. sn stands for study notes but the translation where it's tn is the translation note so it'll actually tell you in the hebrew uh what the hebrew means and and why it was translated that way. And the TC, uh, I don't know if I can get to another uh, verse in that, but the, uh, it shows, oh, here we go, um, uh, the textual criticism. Because one of the challenges in translating the Bible is that, is that there are, we actually have different ancient versions and sometimes... Well, it, they they is incredible agreement between all the ancient versions, but there are some minor differences, like the ending of the book of Mark for instance, and other things mm. and you'll get and and they will tell you okay this this ancient document says this, and this ancient document says this so i anybody's interested in getting into Bible study, I always point them towards the net Bible because the it's free it's right here on the net and you get the the translation notes and textual notes and and study notes all in one batch. Um, but you, uh, and the translation is fine, it's not brilliant, uh, but it's fine, but it's these notes that, that I know that um, the uh, many of the uh, people who are actually doing the work of Bible translating, they start with, the, with this version of the Bible and its notes in particular because it's particularly helpful for that reason so anyway i just thought i'd toss that in there the the net bible new english translation it's not a bad translation it's okay it's a bit more towards the C, the uh the um esv end of things bit more of the word for word but um so it's a it's a little clunky sometimes to read but it makes it's good it's a good translation but the notes particularly helpful but i it is yeah i, I I, I, it is a, it's a, it's interesting where people have different preferred ways of reading and do tend to have like the ESV, probably if you want to get more into Bible study, ESV is probably one of the more accurate ones. NIV is kind of more comfortable. It's kind of a middle of the road one and new livings a bit more, a, a, a bit softer, easier to engage with, I guess.
3: Yeah, so like the point that I would like people to take away from that sort of thing is you get your word for word translations and you get your paraphrase translations. There's not one that's superior or anything. They're different tools for different uses. Mm-hmm. So like you know, I prefer the ESV is sort of my core one. It's you know a phrasing that sort of works with my vocabulary. Um, my other preferred one is the New Living. Um, But then I know a lot of people who really like the message and get good things out of Mm. it, and I have never connected with it because it's Mm. very American phrasing, and it just doesn't, Mm. you know, the things they're trying to use to help it convey to people don't work for me, but that doesn't make it a bad translation or anything. That just means it's not one that's good for me. Mm.
1: I I will say at this point, this is where Anne and I will differ a little bit, I want to raise a bit of a red flag about the passion translation. I I, I would say I'm, I'm a... I'm concerned about that because it's not written by either a Greek or a Hebrew scholar. He, he, he is a linguistics guy who has actually gone back uh, to the Aramaic versions that are translations from the Greek or the Hebrew to Aramaic and then translated again to English. And he's not even an, he's an Aramaic scholar either. That said, some of it's beautiful. Yeah, but, it yeah. is.
2: And I have to say that I have, um, yeah, I found that like any trans- any translation, um, there are things in it and, there, and it has touched me beautifully in, in really important ways on different parts of my journey. And I found that particularly his song, the way he um, presents the Song of Songs, which is a very, um, you know, by Solomon, that has, it's actually a very rich um, description which can be associated with the divine romance as well as, you know, a normal romance between a man and a woman. And, um, And notwithstanding everything you've said, I think it actually reveals some wonderful insights into what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. And so don't, that's why I would not dismiss it because i think mm. it does have some real wonderful qualities
1: no, but i what i want to make clear and it's not a translation of the the greek or the hebrew
2: no i'm fine to accept that yeah. <laughs> so we need to
1: in this in this sweep of things i don't know if it was mentioned in in Renata's sweep it probably no it's not no, in there. it's not there no. uh, so it it
2: calls itself a translation
1: it it does <laughs>
3: Yeah, people often use the word translation to mean Mm -hmm. any version of the Bible, whether it's one that's done by a team of scholars, you know, comparing notes, whether it's done by a single guy working out of, you know, his home office or something, or whether it's Mm -hmm. done by someone just rephrasing English versions of stuff to make more sense to them. And, you know, not all those are translations. They can be useful, but they're not translations and you need to be aware of which sort of thing you're getting into. Are you getting into something that's rephrased to help you understand it, or are you getting into something that is translated by scholars who know the full background of what they're trying to do and still disagree?
1: Yeah, mm. that's right. When that that is one of the, the great tensions, but but I think uh, it's good just to have this conversation and
0: we'll we'll move on from it here, but just re-emphasising what Renata said is Different versions for different purposes, and don't yeah. don't get too stuck into one, but yeah. keep checking it out between them,
2: and look yeah. for prompts when you're looking yeah. in. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I really liked that yesterday, Renata. Yeah. Um, if you want to go back and hear what she actually said, you can watch the church service that was on on Sunday. So you can see the full sermon there. Okay, so the parable of the mustard seed. In in essence, I think. How would you summarise the 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 meaning of that? Um, parable renata i'll give you first shot i think
3: Uh, what i'd summarize is that the kingdom of heaven will grow from you know a very small effort on your part once you've got the kingdom of you know sown the seeds all of the potential is there in those seeds it's not your ongoing work that is going to make something happen Hmm. you're just you know doing a little bit of facilitation to you know try and help things along
0: yeah so the potential is within the seed it's not that you magic a plant out of something, yeah. But yeah, that's right. yeah. fascinating point. And in this, um, we'll, we'll, in a minute we'll come to the three main points you made at the end because I think they are fantastic. So for those who um, aren't familiar with the story, Jesus reads the parable. This is in Matthew chapter thirteen, verse thirty-one to thirty-five. And he says, I haven't got it in front of me, but he says the kingdom of heaven is is like a mustard seed planted and as it grows, then the birds will find um, a place for... So we're talking about translation accuracy. Should I pull it up and actually read it?
1: Well, I can actually. I think I can pull it up here. Don't okay, that'd, that'd be, be nice. Uh, yeah. And... He said he and this is the net there we go the net translation the net net yeah. by he gave them another parable the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The man took and uh sowed in his field. it's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest garden plant and becomes a tree, so that the wild birds come and nest in its branches hmm. and here this is where the the different study notes uh come up anyway so there you go there
0: cool i'm trying to see what's in his notes but it's interesting um yeah so any comments i i wonder if you what how does the how do the how does the bit about the birds come and find rest in it how does that relate to this parable
2: well i really like that idea of um when when we thrive in god's kingdom um then we actually as we are nurtured by jesus and the holy spirit and grow um we become a place where others can find rest and shelter you know we're not the source of you know we're not the source of life but we can provide a place that can offer protection and um, and rest. And it, it reminds me, and I mentioned this, I don't know if I mentioned it last week or the week before, it's a, it's a passage from Isaiah where it says, um, oh, no, it's, it's actually Jeremiah passage, chapter 17, where Jeremiah talks about us being planted by the water and we grow up tall and we become... We, we fruit in any season, no matter whether it's drought or or whatever, and we become um, also places of shade for for those around. So it is. It's always this idea that we are more than just ourselves. We are we are offering something to the world. And Jesus says, "Love your neighbour as you love yourself," and um, as well as loving God. So He always wants us to be. Um, Not, you know, obviously, we have an inward work to do, but he actually wants us to be outward facing so that his Mm. kingdom can connect, um, with those with others Mm. in our world. Mm. That's how I understand it.
1: I'm just noticing here what it says the point of the parable seems to be that while the kingdom of God may appear to have insignificant and unnoticeable beginnings, i.e., the ministry of Jesus, it will someday i.e. at the second advent, be great and quite expansive. The kingdom, however, is not to be equated with the church, but rather the church is an expression of the kingdom. Also, there is an important Old Testament background in the image of a small plant that grew and became a tree from Ezekiel. Uh, And he's got the passage from Ezekiel that says, I will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and plant it. I'll pluck it from the top of one of its tender twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain and pictures the re-emergence of the Davidic house, which people can find calm and shelter. Like the mustard seed, it would start out small but grow to be significant in size. That part of the, part, I mean, what Renata was saying was that the, the mustard seed isn't actually the smallest of all plants. Uh, that's hyperbole on Jesus' part. But it's meant, but he's pointing out that it's not often significant. Like it's not often big and overwhelming. It's often small, but the implications of it end up being big. And I love the picture of all the funny different kinds of birds, this picture that it creates space mm-hmm. for, for different personalities and different birds to come and find their home. The kingdom is a place where all the funny people find their home, I think, is uh, mm-hmm. part of the thing.
0: Mm. Renata, did you want to throw in anything?
3: Um I don't know that I've got a lot to throw in there other than saying, you know, when you're getting into technical details, like it is stated that the person's planting that mustard in the field and it would have been, mustard seeds would have been the smallest ones that were planted in a field rather than in a garden close to the house. So mm-hmm. like other things that would be planted in the same area is sort of wheat and barley and that sort of thing. So those are much mm-hmm. bigger seeds, but also becoming relatively small plants comparative to the mm-hmm. beginning seed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. Now, I'd, I'd never heard of um, the mustard seed being equated to brassica. That was an interesting thing. And I, I love the point you brought out of it, that um, the diversity of the kingdom of heaven.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, Matt, have you got the brassica picture there? We'll chuck that there up. There we go. You just have to sort of put your head over this way, otherwise we will no, have to go the opposite way anyway, what you think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and so this one mustard seed, the wild mustard, it is now is it the same plant, the same species, the same?
3: Um, So technically all of these are the same species. So we don't necessarily know whether this is the species Jesus was talking about. There are a few Mm -hmm. options. So like um, one of the core ones is Brassica nigra, which is black mustard, which we still grow, you know, as mustard. But Mm -hmm. this one is wild mustard. Brassica oleraceae is a possibility. There are a few others that are different branches of Um, a different family that looks similar to mustard but are not the same family as this. So, like, there's no real conclusion as to which species it Mm. would have been. But this one is a mustard that, you know, we still grow and over the centuries, um, like, I think broccoli was, or broccoli or cauliflower, I think, was developed in about the 1500s. So we've got these things that, you know, we think of as being all entirely different plants and they're actually the same species. They're the same thing. They've just been grown in an area, you know, and select it for specific attributes that mm.
0: make them really useful. And different expressions of the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And they're, yeah, also yeah. Like,
1: Sorry. they're all like they're all my worst vegetables. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. Wait, you're equating
0: you're, you're <laughs> the kingdom of heaven to broccoli, hang about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um I love the that, um different expressions of of the one thing now we can't go too mm. far down this line because we don't even know which particular mustard Jesus was talking oh. about or what was contextual to his environment um but the diversity of the kingdom uh, and that so that we, that we the kingdom is like a seed of mustard that grows and everyone finds their place in it and, and mm. in, in it's all its diversity mm. all right before we jump on to the leaven 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 um is there anything else to add about the mustard?
2: One of the things I really liked about what Renata said, and this relates to the next parable about the leaven bread, and that is, or leaven bread, um, and that is that um, these occur naturally in our environments. So, God's goodness um, and His righteousness um, that are part of His kingdom occur naturally mm. everywhere and are we really surprised when he made us in his image but um the point is there's they, these can be cultured i think is one of the things you said renata but they they actually grow wild <laughs> as well mm. and, and
3: one of the interesting ones with mustard is that you know the mustard family is the wider thing grows on every continent except Antarctica and some parts of the tropics, and I think there is over 4,000 species in that family. Mm. Um, so, like, there is a lot of it around everywhere. It's not yeah. all the same thing that we think of all the time. Mm.
1: I think there's too much broccoli in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> the... No,
0: no. But one point you made yesterday as well, Renata, that I loved is that um, we, and, and you hinted at it there, is that we can actually create an environment for the kingdom to flourish, like yeah. to do better in, um, mm. keep the weeds out, uh, keep it cultivated, keep the nutrients in, and, and create an environment where the kingdom of God can flourish. But yeah. So that's that's good. But I love that the kingdom of heaven will break through anyway, regardless. Yes. And it's a matter of time, or it might sit dormant for a while. Um, but the kingdom of heaven will expand from this small thing.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Actually, that just um, prompted a memory of something I read, and I, hopefully, I won't get the details wrong because I read it a little while ago. Um, it was in a, a, a Bible Society magazine, and it was talking about somebody who was a missionary um, a century or two ago, and they went into Africa and they had no converts. It was a really tough assignment, but he continued to live there and and just care for the people there and share God's word in terms of how he lived his life and what he said. And there was no return, so to speak. But a century or two later, um, this this man got convicted by the Spirit that it was time to... Um, sort of go on like a revival um, tour or whatever a little bit like the Frank uh what's his name will Graham kind of thing mm-hmm. but tailored to the African situation and he went to this place where this this person had been and he spoke the word of God and they the response was incredible he said it was like the seeds had been sown but they were way wait- but they were waiting for God's timing mm. yeah. and and when it was God's timing, whew, these they just sprouted, <laughs> mm. and and that's I think that's what you were talking about a bit, um, Renata. When the conditions are right, mm. something that doesn't look to be there comes alive. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm. All right, on to the leaving. I think for this podcast from here on, we should stick with the word leaving just to avoid confusion, <laughs> if you can bear it. Um, so leaving now. In the, in the Old Testament, leaven seems to be portrayed as sin or evil and often when it talks about those it's, it's interesting because you, you find um, you know at Passover get rid of the leaven out of your stuff, leaven and things. And then here Jesus sort of almost redeems leaven and actually says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven in bread. So Renata, do you want to describe a bit of what it, what it means the leaven in the bread?
3: Um, well, for leaving the bread, that's, um, you know, like putting yeast in it to make bread rise, um, you know, you have that to improve the quality of the dough that you're making, you know, it actually increases the nutrients that are accessible in bread, so compared to just eating flour and water, if you have flour, water and yeast, you're actually getting some additional nutrients available for you because you've, um, you know, you're bread rather than just having plain flour and water and making, you know, tack, which, is edible if you have to, but it's
0: not great. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And so, so wondering if you guys have got anything to add about in the bread and how that relates to the kingdom of God. One of the things I'm always conscious with these parables is you get stuck in the detail of the parable and not talk about the meaning. Mm. So how does this relate to the meaning of what's the kingdom like?
1: Right. It feels like what Jesus is saying, something very similar to what he just said, is that uh, the, the disciples were imagining a triumphant military victory that was noticeable to everybody and that they would be able to conquer the Romans. And, but Jesus is saying, nah, kingdom of God's actually going to look really small, really t- almost in this, but it's going to get in and affect everything. Uh and uh I was listening I'm listening to a book at the moment called Hearing God by a guy called Pete Gregg and I find it really helpful. And he's just talking about this the the profound influence of the kingdom of God and, and the Bible on on everything from things like human rights to to even uh, sexual ethics. There's been a, a a a an academic who's done the work to demonstrate we, we just wouldn't have the, the, um, the, the notion of the importance of consent without Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, uh, so much of uh, you know, democracy, the Magna Carta, so many th- just foundational things in our world have been profoundly influenced by the kingdom of God, by Jesus' teaching, by the Bible... I think that's what he's saying here. It's, it, if it's looking too showy and too successful, it may not be the kingdom of God. If, it, if it's looking too big and bright and shiny, it may not be the kingdom of God. It, the, the kingdom of God is going to be small, but it, but it affects everything, is kind of what he's saying.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. Great. Anything to throw in, Anne, on that one?
2: Oh, I've got a few th- thoughts buzzing around in my head, as I usually do. Um, I think one of the things that um, has just come in there now is that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And um, if he was a leaven, leaven piece of bread, uh, bread of life, then, yeah, He's that that growth he's giving us, um, that's what he wants us to to um enjoy um in our lives and we as we as we um have jesus in our lives and feel and the spirit if you like becomes like the yeast <laughs> within us that that grows us beyond where we could possibly imagine we could ever end up in our walk of faith and in our capacity to love as jesus called us to love um and it all comes from yeah there's this little bit of yeast. And also the other thing was um, you know, the thing is conditions do have to be right for yeast to grow. If you don't have it at the right temperature, if it's too hot or too cold, um, it won't um do its thing the way it needs to do its thing. And um where was I going with this? Yeah, so it's a bit like we can have the yeast of the spirit within us. Um, but again, you know, and Jesus wants us to have all the conditions right for us to, you know, to rise and to grow and to um, be um, who he wants us to be. Um, uh, it's a bit like with the salt and the, the light. Each one um, has transforming properties and, and important Nurturing properties and nutritious property or well, not like yeah, well, light you know with life and everything else but in different ways we can actually stunt or waste those things um,
0: and the thing the thing I like in particular with the yeast one is it's um it's self-regenerating like it yeah it, um, it regenerates and regenerates and regenerates it, um, and you can split it yeah split it and it grows
3: The other interesting thing about yeast when you think about it is that, you know, that's so small that you actually can't directly see the yeast if you have a sourdough starter. You know, you'll never see the actual yeast that you've caught. You're only ever seeing the effects of the yeast. You'll see the bubbles Mm. of carbon dioxide that it produces. You'll see, you know, Mm. the effects of the yeast. You know, you'll see the bread that's risen and all of that, but you never actually see the yeast. Mm. Mm. That's good.
1: Mm.
0: That's
1: good. And it was, in, Renata, you pointed out that the word for uh, mixed in or in the ESV is translated, the, the Greek word actually is hidden, hidden in, That's, you, you pointed out in the sermon, that, that this sense that the the kingdom actually gets hidden in the world like yeast does in bread. And you can't, you just can't see it, obviously. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think your main three points at the end, Renato. I'm trying to remember them. Should I ask the three of us if we can remember them together?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a good question. I don't have to plot the notes. One, Renato, can you give us a quick one? <laughs> please on don't, I'll please? Can I to open the, the file. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Even Renata can't remember them off the top of the head. Well, that's that's comforting.
0: Because <laughs> I really <laughs> liked the point you made, and I think it's worth just finishing up with those.
3: Can or, I can, I can. Slowly,
0: um. Okay. Well, while um,
2: Renata finds that, I was just reading a book yesterday evening, and um, it, it's a book called *The Healing Light*, actually, but by Agnes Sanford. Um, but anyway, she tells this story, and at the end of it, it, it follows the story of a, of a woman, mother, who prayed for her son, and and. And, 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 and this son became aware of, of, of God's light and life being with him in a very difficult situation. And, he, and she says, but isn't it selfish to pray for the protection of your own? Some people ask. Well, this is a foolish question, she says. It is as if a mother said, isn't it selfish for me to feed my baby because some babies have to starve? But where are we to begin if we don't begin with those that God has especially given us to protect and pray for? Now, now we need to be careful with parables and we don't read things into them. But the point is that there are things that Jesus calls on us to be and to do, and it gives us responsibility for those things. And, um, And it isn't that the other things aren't important or other people aren't important. She goes on, let us then begin where we are. For um, praying for the protection of our own and trusting the transcendent God, of course, God who is everywhere as well as in us, to weave these prayers together in His own time and in His own way toward the protection of all. And it's a bit like with that yeast and mixed. It we 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 respond as a, as. God's it inspires and prompts us to do through his spirit and he takes what we give and do and and he brings the increase in ways that we can never imagine it's a bit like what you were saying Renata about you know seed grows but we actually aren't the ones who make it grow and and yeast does its growing but we're not the ones who actually make it grow we just can help provide the, the conditions and our prayers are like that too and and we can pray, and God will use those prayers in ways that we can, can't even dare to imagine, even as we pray them specifically for people he has given us to care for. And I just thought that was a really special word. And um, And it says, those who seek God for the protection of their own are not working selfishly. They are among the makers of the coming peace. They are beating a path through the wilderness of life toward the kingdom of heaven. And this straight and narrow path shall one day be the broad highway of all humanity. I just thought that was worth including for this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now over to you, Renata.
3: All righty. So my final statement, now that I've got my Word document up, mm. um, is that what I would take away from it is sow seeds of the kingdom wherever you can, but mm. don't poke and prod and obsessively check in mm. to see if they're growing yet. Work to create fertile areas, but be patient and wait to see what will come in God's timing. And when the time comes, accept the nourishment, comfort, and shelter of His kingdom. Don't smother it and try to keep it confined to a neat little designated space. Stand back and allow room for the growth, for the kingdom will grow. Mm. Do your best, but don't stress about it.
2: Yeah. Great words, Renata. I love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Great. No, I guess,
1: I guess uh, probably the 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 grounding question and all that as we round it up is so what does that actually look like? How do you do that? Hmm. What? How do I act? How do I tang? What do I tangibly do for that? To for what you're saying to be true. Hmm.
2: Just for example, you're praying for somebody, um, maybe um, they you're wanting them, you know, maybe they've asked for prayer, or maybe you care about something that they're doing and, and you want God to you know intervene in their lives or whatever. Now it it's possible that you might want to just keep kind of poking and potting, as Renata's words were, to kind of try and push them in certain directions. It's not what it's all about. Once we've given them to the Lord, we can continue to thank Him that He is working, and we'll can and we and keep working, and we can keep thanking Him because He loves our praises and our thanksgiving. Um, but to poke and prod, that can actually do damage. Mm-hmm. And and let the Spirit work, and and trust that the Spirit will do what the Spirit will do. And, mm. and often in ways that we can never expect, and you know, but beyond our wildest. Mm. So that's one thing. I I that's know from, from
0: my perspective, I, I, um, I think about five years ago, after a decade of ministry in my community and trying to reach out, um, I, I spent some time, I just went and sat in the big Anglican church and just spent time alone with God on, on several occasions and just just really felt a peace that he was saying, just enjoy sowing the seed. Like, just mm-hmm. just sow the seed. The rest of it's up to me. And mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about the metrics and the measures and the growth. All you have to worry about is just enjoy sowing the seed and find a real peace, place of peace there. So that, that for me was a, a real God message into my ministry of exactly what you just said, Renata. Do your best, but don't worry. The growth is up mm-hmm. to me. And, and the other side that I get out of today that I'll take home is that the kingdom of heaven is a place where I can come and sit on the branches. Um, I can come and find my place in the kingdom of heaven and be at peace there. So, um, yeah, and I think that's what I'm taking home from this one is that I, I find rest in the kingdom of heaven and, and it's a place where I can reside. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and I think a really important one too is that We don't have to look the same or be doing the same as other people in the kingdom to be um, of the kingdom. (laughs) You know, oftentimes we can look at others and think, oh, I can't be like that, but I want to be like that. Maybe they're able to get up the front or get on a podcast and talk, or maybe um, they're really good at praying or maybe they're um, really good at, I don't know, some all kinds of things. And you think, oh, I wish that was me. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm always stuffing things up and bits and that and the other. And, um, and Jesus is saying here, and I think what we've been talking about today is, you can look very, very different and you are still precious and a, a wonderful, important part of my kingdom. Mm-hmm. Celebrate being different. It's important. Mm-hmm. I've made you that way for a reason. And,
1: and go and be that person. Hmm. And, and I think um, I, cause it's interesting, Jesus tells us to seek first the, this kingdom that is small and intangible, hmm. and th- that's meant to be our main priority. So I think, I think part of the takeaway for me in this is um, he is redefining what success looks like. That if we're, to seek, if we're to seek first this thing that is hidden, that is small, that is not in our control, uh, then uh, then then we really need to be able to see, watch the part of us that wants the big, bright, and shiny success, and that that this is that the kingdom of God is a different is is a different thing than the kingdom of the world.
3: I think one other thing that I'd put in there is, you know, when we talk about sowing seeds, is some people get very caught up in, you know, you want to see the results, but you're not always going to see the results because seeds can sit and wait. So, you know, people like the idea of being the up the front person who's going out and, you know, getting people converted. But sometimes your job isn't doing that. Sometimes your job is, you know, where someone has been hurt by the church of the past or seen Mm -hmm. some relatively dodgy stuff, your job is actually just being a relatively normal person who seems safe, you know, and gives sets the idea in their minds that not all churches are like that. Mm. Like sometimes your job is just doing that bit. You won't ever see the conversion. That might come in ten or twenty years time. You know, but you've sown that seed to say not everything is like that. You know, stuff can be better.
0: Yep. Yep. Great. So I think we'll finish up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Um, for anyone who's listening, we'd love you to pop in comments down the bottom. We had a couple last week and we're really thankful for those. But we love having continuing the conversa- conversation through comments and responses. So go for that. Um, but thanks for joining us, Renata. Thanks for all the work you did in your sermon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
1: Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. will we talking more about Jesus' parables.
0: Bye.